Sing along. It's a jam-packed night at the Highline Ballroom in New York City, and an unusual collaboration is taking place. Zap Mama, the shape-shifting vocal group created by Marie Dawn, is joining forces with New York's own princes of Afrobeat, Auntie Ballas, and the crowd is loving it. Let's harmonize. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Today, we return to our Africa in America series, where we sample the best of African music being created and performed in the USA. This time, Ladies Edition will feature the stories and music of three remarkable women, Maridon, Razia, and Somi. Ladies, remove your high ears. First up, Maridon has journeyed far and wide, from her birthplace in the Congo to her youth in Belgium and her global career as the creator of Zap Mama. We caught up with her in the lobby of a New York hotel when she was touring with the latest formation of Zap Mama. She told us it was great to be back in the Big Apple. Not long ago, she made this city her home for over a year. Because I was here in Harlem composing and I choose Harlem because a lot of African, West African there. And then when you were walking in the street, you could hear the African music and at the same time the old funky and the hip hop, all this fusing eating um, fish from an African uh, restaurant and after going to the movie and merging all this culture together, Harlem was the perfect place. The perfect place indeed. We'll come back to Zap Mama's collaboration with Antibalas. But first, the songs Mary began composing in Harlem will be part of a forthcoming album called Flashback to Present. Marie also traveled to Benin and immersed herself in the music and culture of Vodun. It was the Harlem-Benin connection that inspired her. And I said, again, I'm going to make that bridge. This is what I have, being in Harlem, feeling the dignity of uh, African and then American merging. I said, OK, I'm going to compose around that. Flashback to present is why I like to make a link to Afropia. And when I started, the sounds a known, forgotten sound from Africa. And now, it's a flashback to present. There is no way we have to return. What I want to say is that we are the ancestor of the future. And return to Africa, we have done this. We all return to Africa. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, we all return there because now we know that we're all coming from there, blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay, what we all gonna do now will serve the future. Let's kick off with a flashback to Zap Mama's start as an all-female a cappella group. Here's a track from the Breakout 1993 release, Adventures in Afropia. J'examine et je fume Moi la carabine, ça m'a dit Mais vous, je vous ai là Ma poitrine, je m'inquiète Je vous fais signe Je vous dis 
and Zapmama from their early days merging the forest vocal sound of Central African pygmies with a cool jazz vibe. Wow. Back in 1993. She was on Afropop Worldwide way back then. Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide's Africa in America Ladies Edition. Mary Dawn told us that as Zapmama evolved and began to incorporate American musical influences she got pushback from fans. I've been trapped in this vision too. When I start a cappella and all this African dress, and then when I start to merge with American music, people complain and say, why are you not exotic anymore? And I say, why do I have to stay exotic for you? Why can I not be exotic for myself? American was for me exotic. As we know well, Africa and America come together beautifully in Afrobeat music, especially when performed by the New York band Antibalas. When the idea of a Zapmama Antibalas tour came up, Marie wanted it to be a collaboration, not just a double bill. Calling Mario, Zapmama, To merge, creating something, it's like uh, doing a band with another and no, no. I think it's, we need to be powerful and uh, 
we start a show with all probably rhythm with the breath and then one instruments come and then we start singing and then one of them arriving playing an instrument and then we merge with Manu Galo who's going to be uh, at the bass and after the horns come to uh, meet our horns adding the female vocal to their very masculine uh, setup to open it more and then we do my song we do their song and and after we do a cover of Fela Marie mentioned the phenomenal Ivorian bass player and producer Manu Gallo This woman is something else and she was along for this historic collaboration Let's hear a bit of Manu Gallo and then Zap Mama and Antibalas with the song 1000 Ways Let me zap you with Manu Gallo There's a million people, there's a way to talk 
There's a way to smile and there's a way to be or not to be. Doesn't people try? A thousand cry. There's a way to feel what is good, what is bad. Doesn't kind of people. There's a way to share. There's a way to love and to hate. Thousand people die, but thousands survive. What is good, what is bad? Question yourself. Question of a human being. Mama with Antibalas in a rare and wonderful collaboration. Now, before we move on, Mary told us that after her recent travels to Benin, West Africa, it's her dream to be a female Afrobeat singer. But why? I want to be the female Afrobeat singer. This is where I see my future. And I said, I know that I can go all over the world. We need this kind of uh, femininity, especially being in Benin and how this uh, queen and king from the past, Dahomey uh, kingdom, and I said, okay, I'm gonna be that kind of figure. And Mary got a chance to show off her Afrobeat stuff on a cover of Fela Kuti's Upside Down. Mary is singing the part originally recorded by Fela's American girlfriend, Sandra Isadore. Open up, make me see. Uh, uh, that you're kind of proper. Open up, make me 
Maridone of Zap Mama channeling Fela Kuti with Antibalas at the Highline Ballroom in New York City. That was quite a show, I tell you. And now to another great woman of African music. This time, one who has made a permanent home in New York City. This is Razia. is a kind of requiem for an uprooted tree. It picks up the thread of a major theme of Razia's work, the destruction of the environment in Madagascar. 
Razia's first CD, Zebu Nation, raised the issue, and she continued with two Wake Up Madagascar tours. On these tours, Razia, along with other Malagasy musicians, performed in the US, Canada, and Madagascar, and everywhere they went, they spoke about environmental issues. So now, we come to Razia's new album, Akori, which means, what's next? Because a lot of my songs actually have a core in it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's what I'm meant to talk about in the city, which is, uh, okay, after, you know, I put this awareness about uh, environmental destruction in Madagascar, now what are we going to do about it? So what's next should be doing something about it. Another new song from Razia, Zanako, raises other difficult questions. Zanako is about the children. Zanako is a child. There's such a huge percentage of children in Madagascar. The population of children is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's frightening because it's becoming poorer and poorer. And there's more and more children to feed. And all these children, we don't have any kind of plans for them, even just as survival, you know. They're going to take over, really. I think that in about 10 years, it's going to be very interesting to see what, you know, these kids are going to be like 18 and going to start looking for work and there's going to be no work. So that means crime, that means all kind of negative stuff. A serious problem, but the song is sweet. It says we have to cherish our children and leave them a healthy country. Here's Zanako. Thank you. 
by way of New York, that's Razia with a song from her new city, Akori. The last song we heard, Baraingo, is a prod to politicians who often take one step forward and two steps backwards. Don't we know that? Where are we going? asked Razia. Lead us the right way, please. Fans of Afropop's Madagascar series might have recognized that Sapik beat in that song. The principal guitarist there is Sapik star Teta. But Razia's songs can't be reduced to any one style. They use complex structures with shifts of mood and texture. This is something that sets Razia apart from local musicians back home. Of course, of course, because I left Madagascar when I was 14, and even when I was in Madagascar, I was very much listening to the Beatles, to uh, James Brown, and after that, when I was in France, to Bob Marley, and I spent a fair amount of time in France, so there's a bit of that French chanson that I have probably uh, absorbed with time, so it's a combination of all my traveling, really. We ask Razia how she creates this unusual songs? Well, the songs are written, most of them here actually in this house where we're sitting right now, and uh, just with the guitar and uh, myself, either me writing the song like Zanako or with my husband, with Jamie, and uh, writing Taranaka Faro, wrote that together. And then after that, uh, I went to Madagascar. Mm-hmm. To record the songs with traditional musicians and not just anyone. I got Teta, I got Johnny Bass, Rajay is playing the valley in Zanako, and uh, there was Do, there was drumming, and there was Daniel on the Maruvan, and I got Suji on the Lukanga that comes, you know, a little bit in Kajiu and in Nilalanga. That's Suji on Lukanga fiddle, Regis Gisavo on accordion, and the great Dugari on guitar. Along with all the brilliant instrumentalists on this city, there are also many vocalists mostly recorded in Madagascar and Paris. But the funny thing is, for all the mastery these musicians brought to the recordings, Razia also needed a shot of New York City in the mix. 
There's some songs we felt like were not strongly enough delivered and we needed something that would give it kind of a New York oomph to it. Okay, so let's get the New York cats to give that energy of New York in there. And make no mistake, the New York cats, as Razia calls them, are no slouches. If you get a chance to catch Razia live in concert, don't miss it. Razia's band includes musicians from the U.S., Colombia, Suriname, Senegal, and of course, Madagascar. And that's part of what makes African music in America, and especially New York, so special. Well, the New York energy definitely is, uh, is a different energy. We've been playing now with uh, a band in Madagascar, the Malagasy band, and then we have a band in France that is with some French people, some Malagasy people and this band in New York. And it's like, the band in New York just has this, uh, you know, I think because there's so much competition in New York on a high level, the guys really want it and the urgency is felt in the way they're playing things. For me, that's really important. In Madagascar, they are very good at playing the traditional stuff, you know, the Maruvan. And, but as far as the delivery and the presence and the urgency of the music, I think New York is the best place to get it. And even though my heart is very much attached to Madagascar, for me, New York is where I find really what I need to function. Let's hear one more from Razia. Akoritsikabi is a song about the cyclones that wreak havoc in Madagascar each winter. With so much of the protective forest destroyed, these storms are more devastating than ever. Worldwide, and my name is Razia. I'm originally from Madagascar and I'm based in New York. 
And I'm Georges Collinet with Africa in America, Ladies Edition. You can read our interviews with Razia and Maridon at afropop.org. Coming up, the remarkable multicultural journey of Somi and more ladies of African music in America. This is Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Fresh from New York, the singer Somi arrives at the airport in Lagos, Nigeria. So begins a remarkable album called The Lagos Music Salon. It's the fruit of 18 months this American-born, African-descended woman spent in Lagos. In a moment, we'll get to know Somi and hear her story, but let's start with her music. This is Love Juju Number One. Cast your spell, won't look, won't ask, won't tell, won't deny this is magic. I hear your heartbeat slow, shaking it and blindfold. If I turn my it would be tragic. I say it must be Juju.
Somi blending jazz, soul, and juju music on her album, The Lagos Music Salon. This is an unusual recording in many ways, starting with the chutzpah it took for a young woman to immerse herself in the chaos of Lagos, Nigeria, for a year and a half. To understand how that happened, we have to go back to the beginning and Somi's East African-born parents. My father, even though ethnically he was from Rwanda, he grew up in Uganda, in an area where a lot of Rwandese people had settled in the 40s and again in the 60s. Um, the 40s was because of famine and drought and you know greener pastures because we're pastoralists. <laughs> and then in the 60s because there was a smaller attempt at a genocide. So my family has been there since the 40s in Uganda. My father was born in Burundi when it was still Burundi and Rwanda as one country and then they moved when he was like three. But I have a lot of family in Rwanda. A lot of people have moved back since the war. Somi's mother is Ugandan, but she met her husband in Nairobi, and they wound up settling in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, where Somi's dad did his postdoctorate studies in immunology. Somi was the sixth of seven children. My name Somi is actually means Kaba Somi. It means child of reading or child of knowledge or child of a scholar. It's really circumstantial based on the time I was born and he was finishing his postdoc and it was like the last hurrah of his many years of studies. Somi and her family lived in Zambia for three years. As a child there, Somi sang and danced in school projects. But when she returned to Illinois, a new kind of self-consciousness descended. I'm was this sort of culture shock. You come back and there were all of these racial politics that I wasn't really familiar with. I was this like black girl child with a British accent. You know, they didn't really understand us. They being both blacks and whites and everybody really. I felt silenced not only because of the social pressures, but also because I, I felt silenced by my teachers. Some of them were very, very ignorant and I would even say racist. And thank goodness for my family and my parents giving me a really strong sense of self and cultural self. But I will say that I, I shied away from really sharing my voice in a, in a public space for several years. I stopped performing, I'd be in choirs, but I would not be the one who had a solo. I would not be the one who was kind of out front. When I was asked to be out front, it was totally terrifying, which was a complete reversal of what it had been before. She gon' say, she gon' say I be lady She gon' say, she gon' say I be lady But at home, things were different. There was lots of African music, popular recordings from Dorothy Masuka to Fela Kuti. And Somi's mother was a beautiful singer who specialized in the folk songs of Western Uganda. She would sing these songs to me and she would tell me the stories about, they all have sort of like a princess that had all these suitors. And, you know, so I had this awareness of this rich cultural storytelling that lives in the music. And then there was the African church. My grandfather was a reverend, Episcopalian reverend, and so African church culture is very much about singing. Whether it's about a wedding or a death or a celebration of something, I don't know, it's like everybody's always singing. And so the other thing is, 
I think it took me a long time to recognize my voice because everybody could sing. You know, we always would end prayer time with singing, usually a hymn, usually in vernacular languages. If my uncle suddenly has this like lustrous baritone, <laughs> you know, was doing all these harmonies, I'm like, why would, you know, it's like you don't take your voice that seriously. Okay, let's fast forward. Somi studies cultural anthropology at university. She travels to East Africa and reconnects with her African identity. She eyes a career in international development. She moves to New York and gets a series of unsatisfying jobs. And then, almost on a whim, she decides to try her luck as a singer. Somi was fortunate to take voice lessons with Marie Fonso, an original member of Zap Mama, and the experience was liberating. Marie became a huge influence and just taught me so much in terms of taking risks, in terms of really being centered. Just so many things that she taught me in terms of how to approach the voice, how to approach performance that are now an intrinsic part of my own practice and process. So I love her dearly. Somi began meeting musicians, formed her first band, and made a couple of CDs. Here's a track from her 2007 CD, Red Soil In My Eyes, which she created with Senegalese guitarist Hervé Sand. hear how she's working African music elements into a jazz context, but at this stage, she was still figuring things out. Somi wasn't confident about calling the music African, but when people called it jazz, well, that didn't quite feel right either. It's always interesting to me when people call me a jazz singer because it's not something that I set out to be, you know, and I love Nina Simone and Sarah Vaughan and Ella Fitzgerald. I mean, I can go down the list of the voices that I love. But I'm not one of those people who has like thousands of standards in my belt who can be like, what key are we doing this in? You know, like, I'm not that girl. <laughs> and I just didn't really grow up in that music. Somi made her next album, If the Rains Come First, with the record label and a producer. Well, not an entirely comfortable experience. She also lost her father, so it was a difficult time. But out of these years came an important development, a friendship with the great Yu Masekela became a kind of surrogate father to Somi. Here he is joining Somi on the song Enyanjani.
on trumpet. After a lot of hard work and struggle, Somi was ready for a change. She wanted to move to Africa for a time to refresh herself spiritually and creatively. She had an opportunity to teach in Nigeria, but the idea of moving to Lagos, well, was intimidating. Uncle Yu had some advice for her. He said, Stop thinking about it as a move. Think about it as going to spend time with a part of your audience for a period of time. If you think about it in those terms, then it's quite freeing and it's easier for you to actually make it happen. And he talked to me about global citizenship and how that's intrinsic to the musician's experience and role and life and journey. So it was off to Lagos. Near the beginning of Somi's stay there, she met Hugh again and they performed together at a festival. Hugh told her, this is where you need to be. And he connected me with his network of people and said, this is my daughter and I want you to take care of her in Nigeria. That was massive. He literally put me in the hands of people who then became like my own uncles, you know, because I'm not from there. I'm an African woman, but I'm a foreigner. So he really gave me family and a support system in Nigeria. There's a woman on the road. She got mouths to feed. A man died last year. Now she works to the bone. There's a woman on the road. She got Music Salon. 
That song, $2 a day, evokes the hard life of a poor woman in Lagos. But despite poverty, Nigeria is a cultural powerhouse in Africa today. It dominates in film, television, commercial, pop music, you name it. But with her New York background, Somi also had something to add. She found musicians and began performing small salon concerts, creating her own niche in this vibrant, complex African metropolis. Lagos is a hard city. It's a very hard city. Um, but there are deep rewards, and I feel like that's another parallel to New York that I found. Like, New York is not an easy city at all, you know? But there's so much inspiration here. There's a certain intellectual community here, and there's a certain, you know, cosmopolitan nature of things that I found in Lagos. And I said, those things are what make New York bearable, right? I love this. I think we choose to complicate our lives by choosing to live in these big cities, sort of on top of each other and in fast paces. And so Lagos felt like that. It felt like an African version in many ways of New York. Somi is back in New York now, continuing her musical life as a global citizen. Let's hear one more track from the Lagos Music Salon. One, Here's Somi with Akobi, firstborn son. It's been overcast and somewhat gray, but blue's not the color that'll wear today. I want some sparkle and I want something warm. Brewing inside me is a lover's dream. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, Public Radio International affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Additional support for Afropop Worldwide comes from Womex, the showcase, symposium, and trade fair dedicated to world roots and ethnic music, October 21st to the 25th in Budapest, Hungary. More info? Womex.com. 
Okay, let's keep the music flowing with recent work by two more African women who've made their homes in the United States. First from Sudan, Al-Sara, with her band The New Batone. And by the way, Al-Sara is currently on tour with The Nile Project. Catch them if you can, it's an amazing show. The track we'll hear comes from Al-Sara's CD, Silt. Then from Timbuktu, Mali, a founding member of Lego de Koteba, Awasango from her debut CD, Alata.
Awasongo, and before that, Alsara and the Nuba Tones. Thanks to Maridon, Razia, and Somi for sharing your stories with us. And thanks to Zapmama, Antibalas, and the Highline Ballroom for the live recording that opened this program. Visit afropop.org for more on these artists and to check out our latest web creation, Samba at the Dawn of Modern Brazil. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions, research and production for this program by Banning Air. And join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan and Stephanie LeBeau. Banning Air edits our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Sam Backer. And I'm Georges Collinet. RI Public Radio International